It is great to have you joining us for church online this morning. I'm excited to be able to share and encourage you with the word of God as we continue in our series, Faith for a Great Future. You know, lockdown for all of us has meant that we've changed a little ways. We've changed the way we do things. We've had to learn new skills. Last time I mentioned that I had now become a bit of an amateur hairdresser. Well, that skill is still developing along the way but I've also become the Google Classroom guru so I've been learning new things about how to homeschool at home during this time. I'd love you to take a quick look at this small clip which made me giggle as I watched our, our local sheep also learning new skills on the merry-go-round as the parks are completely empty at this time. How fun is that? You know, this morning as we look at how we can have faith for a great future, I want us to begin to look at what we do when we find ourselves living in a moment that we never expected to live in. Perhaps circumstances are beyond our control or we find ourselves living in the consequences of other people's decisions. How do we navigate those times? How do we sail through those waters that we never expected to sail through? How do we react? How can we have faith for a great future in those moments? Well, today I want us to begin to look at the life of the Apostle Paul as written in Acts 27. You know, Paul was about to head from Caesarea to Rome to stand before Caesar. And he was joined by Luke, who was the author of Acts, on his journey. And you know, this boat journey was anything other than what they expected. They stopped along a few ports along the way and things were going well. But then the weather changed. And they were expecting to head into the open sea. And instead of being able to do that, they ended up having to be tracking around the coast to try and gain shelter from the wind and the weather that was prevailing against their ship. They eventually stopped at a port called Myra and there they actually changed ships and ended up on a large grain ship that was destined for Italy. And they thought that they were going to make their way from Myra over to Italy where Paul was destined to be. But as they set sail from that port, again, things didn't go according to plan. The weather once again was prevailing against them. They were struggling in the wind and the waves. They were being tossed back and forth in the boat. They were bailing out water. They were seasick. They were tired. And in the end, they had to change route yet again and managed to find a small harbor at the in Crete called Fairhaven where they were going to take rest. 
You know, when they arrived at Fairhaven, I'm sure that the crew and all of the people that were on this boat couldn't wait to get off. They couldn't wait to get some decent sleep. They couldn't wait to eat some decent food. And they couldn't wait to rest up. And you know, when we find ourselves in this story, it doesn't say how long that they actually stayed in Fairhaven. But what we do know is that it was late October and early November before they were beginning to make any plans as to what would happen for the winter. And we're going to pick up in Acts 27 verse 9 and as we look and trace through this story I want us to look at the life of Paul I want us to see how he reacted in circumstances I want us to gain truth from his behavior that we can say do you know what we can do this we can approach the circumstances that we find ourselves in using this model that Paul had as he navigated this difficult situation that he found himself in. So if we read from verse 9 in Acts 27, Luke records this. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall and Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. I want us to stop there. I mentioned that Paul and all of the men that were on board that boat had stopped in Fairhaven. And you know, during that time, no doubt Paul was privy to listening to the conversations that would have been taking place as they were resting. Conversations where he probably heard about the sailors, sailors trying to get to a different place for the winter. You know, Fairhaven was a small port. It wasn't the greatest place to be for three months and I think he began listening as the men were dreaming about going to a larger port where there would be great entertainment, great food, lots of things that they could do to enjoy themselves in the three months when they were waiting for better conditions to begin to continue sailing. And you know, knowing that Paul was a praying man, knowing that Paul was a man that wanted to seek God in all that he did, I really believe in that time as he listened to conversations, he began to ask God for wisdom. He was in a difficult circumstance. He was due to be heading to stand before Caesar, the whole journey had completely gone not according to plan. They'd probably spent over double the amount of time at sea than they had inspected. And that he's here and he's like, Lord, I need you to give me wisdom for this situation. I need you to show me what the best way is at this time. I'm listening to people talking. I'm listening to people making their plans. But God, what is your plan in the midst of this situation? And we read here in verse 10 that Paul says this. Men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead. If we go on, shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. You know, Paul, as he sought God for wisdom, 
realized that if they were to continue on their journey, that things were not going to go well. And I believe that we can gain great principles from Paul in this. And that is that in any situation we face, we can ask God for wisdom. You know, we've been talking about it from James 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. You know, God wants to be involved in every situation that we find ourselves in. He never wants us fumbling in the dark as to how to deal with the steps we find ahead of ourselves. No, God says, ask and he will give us wisdom into how to deal with things. You know, whether it's in your workplace, in your school, whether it's with your family, in your relationships, God wants to give you his wisdom to navigate through those situations. He wants to give you the ability to make the best choice in that situation. You know, sometimes we find ourselves lacking and in need simply because we don't ask. We think that we can do it in our own strength. We think that maybe we know enough about the road ahead of us to be able to make the right decision. But Paul here, listening to the sailors making their plans, felt like, God, what is it that you want for me? And Paul asked for wisdom, and that wisdom was contrary to the plans that those men had. As he said, let's not do this, there'll be shipwreck, there'll be loss of cargo. Listen to the response of the captain and the soldiers that were in his charge once he'd shared that wisdom with them. It says, but the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. And since Fair Havens was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go to Phoenix, farther up the coast of Crete, and spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and a northwest exposure. And when a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought that they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. You know, in all reality, Phoenix was a better harbor for them to be in. But I think that those sailors in their decision-making were actually thinking about the fun and the partying that they were going to have in a bigger town that was going to be more catered to their needs. You know, and I think that for each of us, even their responses in this can be a reminder of sometimes the way we approach our decision-making processes. Sometimes we can be so emotional in the decisions that we make. We can be thinking about the greener pasture ahead. We can be thinking about, if only I had this, then I'll be happier. Sometimes we can make decisions completely based out of emotion. And those decisions, if they're not balanced with wisdom, and if they're not balanced with God's wisdom for that situation, they have the ability to lead 
lead us down a road that we never expected to travel. And that's exactly what happened in this situation here. These men saw bright lights. They saw excitement. They thought, if I'm going to spend three months anywhere, Phoenix is going to be where I want to begin my party. And so they made this decision to go ahead. But listen what happens as they press on with their own decisions. Verse 14 says, But the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength. You know, a typhoon typically has winds of 73 to 120 miles. That's how strong this typhoon was. And it began to burst across the island, and it blew them out to sea. Wow. One minute... They are in a port, they're safe. Yes, the boat is exposed, but they're safe for the winter. But they decide to head out to another port, which in all reality, in good weather, would have taken them but a day. And it says on the first glimpse of good weather, they think, right, we can make it. There's a slight southerly wind blowing. Come on, let's get in the boat. And off they go. But it wasn't long into their trip when all of a sudden the weather had changed again. You know, in all reality, those sailors hadn't had any real great experience on that trip with the weather. And it's funny how sometimes just a small glimpse, something changing, we don't even see if it's going to last out. We make our decision and we, we seize the moment and we head out based on our emotions only to find us caught in a storm. Have you ever been caught in a storm before? You know, I've thought about the times when I've been caught in storms. And you know what? A lot of the times have been when I have been camping in my tent with our family, which is hysterical. The great British weather is amazing. We typically camp in the summer. You'd be expecting good weather. But of course, it is Britain. And it is so funny the times where we have found ourselves as a family caught in storms. I remember one time when we were in the Swansea coast and a massive storm rolled in gale force winds we were on a campsite with lots of people and we just were observing in horror as we saw tents just being blown to the ground watching as the roofs were collapsing and our tent was still standing amidst all of the storm and we decided you know what we're going to see this through our, our tents not moving we're going to be okay I remember waking up the next morning to like look at nobody else on the campsite. Everyone had gone. Their tents had been ripped to shreds. They did banded things. We saw tents had rolled down the field. And we kind of sat there and thought, we did this. We did this. Three small children in a tent. We braved the storm. I have to say, though, not all camping storms have gone so well for us. Just back last year, we took that same tent on church camp to Pembrey, and we did not return home with that tent. Sadly, after one day of glorious weather, the weather changed. A storm rolled in, winds came in, and our tent began to leak. 
and we salvaged as much stuff as we can and we jumped in our car and we headed home to Pontypool because we knew that our tent was not going to manage as we watched it leaking drips of water. I have to say in that storm, there was nothing nicer than at midnight to be snuggled up in my bed, in my house with the central heating, praying for our friends that were still out in the middle of the storm, braving the elements. But you know, I've been caught in storms before and they're not nice. They leave you uncomfortable. They leave you wondering what's gonna happen. You wonder what the damage and the toll is going to be when you come out of this storm. And I don't think this storm was any different for these men. It says this about them in verse 15. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. Can you imagine being caught at sea? You haven't got an engine on your ship like modern day ships have. They are completely reliant on the wind and their sails to navigate through these oceans. And it is so tumultuous out there that they just have to bring down the sails and let the wind drive the boat. It says, we sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Cauda, where with great difficulty, we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. You know, things weren't going right. But in those days, those ships used to have a lifeboat that they towed behind them. And that boat would be used to get the men to shore. And it also was a lifeboat if they found themselves in danger in the sea. And this lifeboat that would normally be towed behind them was at the danger of being ripped to shreds as it would have bashed into the boat, their ship that they were sailing in. And so the men, they knew that they needed to get this lifeboat back onto the ship to secure its own safety. You know, when I read through that, I realized something. In that moment when the men were lifting and hoisting that lifeboat onto the ship, I realized that it wasn't just the sailors that were involved in this. But do you know what? Paul and Luke were there bringing their effort, bringing their energy to help get this lifeboat back on board. Why do I say that? Well, as we read through this account, we read as, as Luke details what happens. And he says in verse 15 that the sailors couldn't turn the ship, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. So he refers to the sailors and the job that they were doing. But here in verse 16, it says as they went around the sheltered side of an island, with great difficulty, we hoisted aboard the lifeboat. You know, Paul and Luke, even though they never made decisions to make themselves in that storm, even though those decisions they made was to warn the sailors, don't go, don't set sail, even though they had nothing to do with the situation they found themselves in. 
I find it remarkable that in the midst of that storm, they chose to use their own strength and help to get and make a difference in the midst of that moment. And I think we can learn such a great and powerful principle from this. And I think that we can ask our question of ourselves today, when we find ourselves in the midst of situations we didn't cause, in the midst of situations that we didn't make that decision to head into, how does our character look? How does our character look up close and personal? You know, Paul got involved in being the answer in the midst of that struggle in getting the lifeboat on board. He wasn't sat there saying, well, boys, I'm leaving it to you. You got us into it. You can get it out. Get, get us out of it. He wasn't there saying, well, I told you so. You should have listened to me. He didn't do anything like that. But his actions spoke powerfully about the man that Paul was. His actions in the storm were on display for everyone to see. You know, often when we go through storms, we are going through storms in the presence of other people. And people are watching. People are watching to see how the faith we profess actually works itself out in the nitty gritty of daily life. And I love here and I take encouragement from this passage that this is actually the way that we can conduct ourselves when we find ourselves in storms that we didn't create. We don't need to point the finger. We don't need to say, I told you so. But you know, in the midst of that, the test of our character is to get involved, to be a part of the answer, to get involved and say, come on, let's see what we can do to make the best of this situation. In the midst of the storm, our life becomes the message that points people towards Jesus. And I love the fact that we can take that for ourselves. Our message is in any situation. It's not just in the high times of life, but the faith that we profess to hold on to can be demonstrated in the storms of life as well and in the way that we speak to people, in the way that we act towards them. You know, we get to be gracious. We get to show people that we're forgiving. We get to show people that we will come alongside them, that we won't abandon them even when we've been let down by them. And I think that is a powerful demonstration to the world in which we live of the message that Jesus has given us and how we can show people practically through our actions the testimony that we have. You know, as we continue to read in verse 17, we begin to understand just the severity of the storm that they found themselves in. It says, once they had lifted the lifeboat back on board the ship, it says, then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. 
You know that you are in a bad situation when people are trying to tie a boat together. <laughs> okay, I like I've put tape around my glasses, my sunglasses, if like they're on the verge of breaking. But I don't really know how effective it is to tie ropes around a ship. But this is where they were at. They were actually bracing the ship, tying ropes to try and stop it from falling apart in the storm. Not only that, but it goes on to say they were afraid of being driven across the sandbars of Sirtis off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were being and were driven before the wind you know the sea anchor was like a parachute that went down into the sea and it would literally try to slow them down and if that was not bad enough it says the next day as gale force winds continued to batter the ship the crew began throwing the cargo overboard you know you're talking they are just getting rid of any weight that they've gone on this ship because they want to stay afloat. You know, they would have been bailing water out as they watched the waves crashing over the boat and filling the boat with water. And they were doing anything to lighten their load just to keep afloat. And after they'd thrown their cargo overboard, the storm still continued to rage. And it says the following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. They were desperate. They needed this gear to hoist the sails. They needed this gear to practically operate in the boat that they were in, in the sea. Yet they had to throw it out in an attempt to stay afloat. Verse 20 says, the terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last, all hope was gone. You know, this storm wasn't stopping. And in those days, the Greek ships, they didn't have a compass to follow. They navigated through the stars. Now we're talking days of a storm raging, days that they have been left to just blow their course through the wind. They have no idea where they are. It's black, it's bleak, they've got waves crashing, they're rolling in the sea. I tell you, no one is sleeping at this moment. Nobody is trying to have fun in this moment. Nobody is telling jokes in this moment. They are absolutely petrified and they understand that really their lives are about to end at sea. Because it says, at last, all hope was gone. And then it moves on to say, no one had eaten for a long time. That goes to show how bad things were. You know, they were seasick. They were exhausted. They were filled with resignation, knowing that their doom was going to be here in the sea. They hadn't eaten for many days. And then we read about Paul's response. And as we read this, again, 
we can gain such pearls of wisdom from the way that he responded as this storm continued to drag out and all hope was gone. It says this, it says, finally, Paul called the crew together. I find that really interesting. Finally, Paul called the crew together. He didn't call them together on day one. He didn't call them together on day two as they were throwing the cargo overboard. He didn't call them together on day three as they let go of the ship's tackle. No, he called them together when they'd lost all hope. You know, in the midst of the storm, when God gives us a word to share, timing is so important. You know, it says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, there is a time to be silent and there is a time to speak. Paul chose his timing wisely in the words that he was going to share with these men. These men they were proud men. They were accomplished men. They were sailors. They knew what they were doing. They were experienced. And yet they threw the full force of their experience, the full force of their strength at this storm. And they had nothing that they could do in return. They'd given their best and all hope was gone as they watched this storm about to ravage their lives. You know, Paul's words in the midst of that were so important. But sometimes when we share words to encourage others, sometimes we've got to choose our timing so wisely. Because we're proud oftentimes, aren't we? And if we can do it in our own strength, then we will. But Paul waited until all strength was gone, until there was no hope left. And Paul then delivered God's word to them. And it says this, he said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. Again, Paul reminds them that the voice of wisdom had already spoken prior to them leaving the port of Fair Havens. But he says this, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, don't be afraid, Paul. For you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said. But we will be shipwrecked on an island. 
You know, the words that Paul spoke to those men in the midst of the storm are the words that God always speaks to us in the midst of our storms. God is a speaking God. And, you know, Paul found himself in a situation that appeared to be beyond his control. But actually, God was at work in this storm. And God was going to show himself to be a mighty deliverer. God was going to show himself to be a redeemer to these men. God was going to show these men that he is a good God and he's a God of second chances. And I love that Paul received this from God. I love that as the angel of God came to Paul, it says he actually stood beside him. You know, the Bible says that God is an ever-present help in times of need. When you and I face situations that we didn't expect to see ourselves in, when we face the storms of life, I want to encourage you from the word of God that God doesn't leave us. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't say, try sort it out for yourselves. But no, he comes close. He comes to the side of us and he speaks hope into our situation. He speaks words of life into our situation. You know, Paul, in the midst of that storm, I believe, based on what we know of Paul from the scripture, based on the fact that after he had been beaten a few chapters before in Acts to nearly the point of death, that he found himself in a prison, not mumbling, not complaining, but praising God with Silas. I believe that as we look at Paul's character and how he would have approached this situation, we can be confident that in the midst of this storm, Paul was praying. In the midst of this storm, Paul was praying to God. You know, it was Paul that penned the words in Philippians, be anxious for nothing, but through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request be known unto God. And the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul penned those words. Did Paul pen those words as a result of what he had faced in this storm? Paul, in the midst of the storm, was able to wait on the Lord and receive a word from God. And I want to encourage you, in the situations that you find yourself in in life, be them favorable or be them unfavorable, we are to wait on the Lord. God is a speaking God. Sometimes God speaks to the storm and says, peace be still, but sometimes God speaks in the storm and he directs us as to where we're going to go. And this is exactly what Paul encountered here. God wasn't going to miraculously stop this storm, but God through the angel of God was going to deliver a message to Paul that was going to say, you are going to make it. You are going to stand before Caesar. And not only that, not just you, I'm going to make sure that every man on this boat with you comes out alive. As you walk through the seasons of life, I want to encourage you from the word of God to wait on the Lord for a word. Because his word is there.
His word will give light. His word will direct your path. You don't need human wisdom. You don't need human words to get you through the storms of life. You need the word of God to illuminate the path when we're in the middle of the storm when we're in the middle of a situation we didn't expect ourselves to be in. You know, Psalm 27 verse 11 says this, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. God wants to give you a word for the situation that you are in. The men grappled with all their strength. They had put all of their resource, all of their experience to this storm and came out desperate, knowing that they'd lost all hope, they were going to die. But Paul, he went before the Lord. He chose to make God his refuge and his strength. He chose to wait on the Lord for a word from God. And God spoke. God will speak in your storm and we can be encouraged. What I love about Paul as well is he didn't just receive that word and forget about it as the storm continued to go on because this storm didn't stop. But no, Paul received the word and he acted on the word. He chose to align his trust and his faith with the word of God. You know, when we face storms that we didn't expect, when God brings a word, may I encourage you to actually cling on to that word and to do it. Don't be somebody that reads the word, forgets it and goes about your daily life struggling the storm. But Let's be people that receive the word of God and says, yes, I will do this. And this is exactly what Paul does. It says in verse 25, after he declared what God had shown him, he says to the men on board that ship, so take courage. That means strengthen yourselves based on what God had said. Take courage for I believe God, it will be just as he said. God says to you and I today to take courage. He says to you and I to believe him. He says to align our trust and lean into God and his promises because he is going to navigate us to the other end of the storm. You know, Paul believed God. And in that, what I love is that the storm never, ever took away his awareness of who he was. You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. In the midst of that storm, Paul receives a word from God, yet the way he delivers it to the men on that ship shows us that he completely understands that he is a representative of God in this situation. He is God's ambassador. Ambassador, He is a spokesman and I love the words that he uses. He isn't flippant with his words, but he understands in this moment as these men's hearts are open to receive that he is able to point them 
to the one true living God. He is able to point their attention to the God who can save, the God that delivers, the God that redeems. Listen to the words of Paul right here. He says, for last night, an angel of God, the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. He was declaring as an ambassador that A, he belonged to God and secondly, he served God. And later on, he says, for I believe God and it will be just as he said. Right there, Paul nails his colors to the mast. He shows them through his actions that he places his full trust and faith in God and I believe that we can do the same in the situations that we find ourselves in as God gives us a word to navigate those situations let us be mindful of the people that are around us let us be mindful of the people that we find observing because God has called us to be ambassadors God could be using the storms that we find ourselves in to show them how good he is to show them that he is real. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. These sailors, these men that were on the ship with Paul, we're going to see that God was good. We know the Bible says that it is the goodness of God that leads us to salvation. Right here in this moment, these men, we're going to taste and see that he was good. So as we face things, I want to encourage you to be mindful that we are ambassadors. And when we speak, let's remember that our words could be pointing people to Jesus. As we continue to read through, we read about the shipwreck that they were about to encounter. Like I said, God never stopped the storm when he spoke. In fact, this storm went on for two weeks. This is a big deal storm. Do you know that ship actually got carried nearly 500 miles through the wind? That is not a place that I would want to be. But read together from verse 27, it says, about midnight on the 14th night of the storm. You know, these men still weren't sleeping. That was the reality of the storm they were facing. They were still up at midnight. As we were being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailors sensed land was near. They dropped a weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again and found it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, they were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they drew out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. They wanted to try and stop this boat from hitting land and breaking apart. So the anchors went down. It says, then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. You know the storm is still bad when the sailors are actually trying to get off the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. 
And it says, but Paul said to the commanding officer and to the soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You have been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair on your heads will perish. Then he took some bread, he gave thanks to God before them all, and he broke off a piece and he ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat. All 200 and 76 of us who were on board the ship. I love that. I love that Paul was a mouthpiece for God in that situation. I love how this man who had boarded his, this ship as a prisoner was now commanding people as to what to do. The sailors tried to escape, so the soldiers stepped in and they cut the lifeboat so the sailors couldn't escape. I love that Paul led in this situation. He led not only with his words, although his words were clear, but I love how he led through his actions as well. Paul saw that the men hadn't eaten for two weeks and he said to them, come on, let's eat. And I love that it says he took the bread, he gave thanks to God before them all and he broke a piece and he ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat. His faith was on display for all to see and his faith, Faith became a great source of encouragement for those men on that ship that day. They, based on what they saw Paul doing, still in the storm, still in the midst of the storm, Paul blessed the bread, he ate it, and they followed. You know, it says after this that the crew lightened the ship further by throwing over the cargo of wheat overboard. Soon after that, the ship ended up running into a reef at daylight. It began breaking apart. The men began to cling on to planks in the middle of the sea. Those that were able to swim swam ashore. But let me read this final verse in this account. It says, so everyone escaped safely to shore. God had said through Paul that not one man would die. And even though that storm continued to rage for many more days, the word of the Lord was true. Paul had declared that he believed the word of God and this was to be the end result. You know, in conclusion, as we look at what we've read today, I'm encouraged and inspired by the life of Paul. I'm encouraged and inspired to see how he acted and how he reacted to the situation that he found himself in. I love to see how Paul attached his faith and his trust to the living God and how he was bold to let everyone know that on that ship, that he believed God, that he would do what he said he would do. You know, I'm also so encouraged because you see 
the way that Paul acted in this situation, it, he was a man that was assured of the love of his God towards him. You know, oftentimes when we face storms, people from the outside may say, well, surely God doesn't love you. Surely God wouldn't allow that to happen to you. And it can cause us sometimes to feel, well, have we done anything wrong? Is it me? But I want to encourage you from Romans 8 today that whatever situation you find yourself in nothing can separate you from the love of God verse 35 says this can anything ever separate us from God's love does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. This is such a comforting promise that we receive when we accept Jesus into our lives. We can be assured and we can take comfort that no situation we find ourselves in separates us from the love of God so as we walk through situations as we walk through dark valleys as we enter storms be encouraged that you're not entering this because God has abandoned you but be encouraged that your God is near and that nothing can separate you from his love God's love is in the midst of every situation. You know, as we look at Paul, there's so many things that we've discussed and looked at. And I just think that we can be encouraged by the fact that as believers, we do walk by faith and not by sight. You know, in that storm, the outside surroundings looked unfavorable but we're not reliant on the things around us to walk by faith. We are able to walk by faith amidst the storm. We are able to flourish in the middle of a storm because our faith is attached to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one that flung the stars into space, the one that says over you and I, is there anything too difficult for me? So I love that we can have a faith that's robust, a faith that is strong in the midst of the situations we find ourselves in. I also love the fact that we can be ambassadors for Christ in any situation. Paul was an ambassador for Christ through his speech, through his actions, and through his profession. Paul was a man that showed a different way to the men on board this ship. He was able to demonstrate the faith that he professed. He 
didn't blame God. He didn't complain. He didn't blame others for the situation he found himself in. Instead, I believe he prayed. He got on his knees and he waited on the Lord for a word. You know, we see that Paul, through his actions, he led people. He was involved in getting the lifeboat back on the ship. He helped people in their time of need. He encouraged the men to eat when they needed strength. You know, our faith is tangible. And as ambassadors of Christ, wherever we go, through our words and through our actions, we are demonstrating Jesus. We are showing people that Jesus and his kingdom can live and operate through us in any situation. So what did happen? What was the end of Paul's story in this shipwreck? Well, once they landed on Malta, they remained there for three months until the weather would become good for them to set sail for Italy. And in that time, he saw miracles happen. He saw a miracle in his own life happen. A poisonous snake bit him, yet it did not affect him whatsoever. As the, um, as the islanders watched on to see this happen, they were amazed. Not only that, during his time on Malta, Paul went and prayed for one of the chief officer's fathers who was ill. And that man got healed. And do you know what? As a result of that one prayer, the islanders began to bring their sick to Paul. And it says that everyone got healed. You know, there is life on the end of a shipwreck. There is purpose at the end of a shipwreck. God has the ability to work all things together for good for those who are called and for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And it doesn't end there. You know, Paul ended up making his way to Rome. And when he was in Rome, it appeared on the outside that he was hit in the midst of another lot of stormy situations. He was placed under house arrest for two years. He was in quarantine, a bit like us. And what does he do? Two years under guard of soldiers, not able to go move freely in Rome, not able to preach the way he had wanted to preach. But what we see of Paul is he didn't complain. He didn't say, oh God, why won't you let me? But God, but Paul made the most of that situation. He received visitors to himself during that time. He prayed and preached to people. He counseled people. And it was in that two-year period in Rome that Paul actually wrote the prison letters of Colossians, Philippians, and Ephesians. Imagine that. Letters that to this day have blessed countless millions of people and shown us how we can live out our Christian walk. He penned those letters under quarantine, under house arrest. And we actually see the book of Acts end with this account. And in the final verses of Acts 28, Luke proclaims this. The proclamation of the kingdom of God continued unhindered. 
You know, God does not look or need favorable circumstances in order for his gospel to be spread. God is at work in every situation. He will take the good times of life and he will allow us to diffuse the fragrance of God. But do you know what? In the dark times of life, God will use those as well. And as only he can, he will weave them into his master plan and be assured of one thing that God will make sure that his kingdom advances here on this earth and he will use us to be his ambassadors in the midst of those situations. So I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you that it's not an accident that you were born at this time. It is not an accident that you are here. You were born for such a time as this. And I want to say to you and encourage you, don't look at the things that we go through and feel that storms have somehow knocked us off guard and somehow will hinder what God can do in our lives. I want to encourage you from the word of God today that God is at work in the midst of the storms. God will speak in the midst of the storms that we face. And God will use the storms to speak to others, to see their lives changed. Those 276 men that were on board that ship, they would have had a testimony at the end of it. I wonder what they shared with their wives. I wonder what they shared with their family and relatives and their friends when they reached safety. Who knows? what would have been the change in their lives as a result of Paul's testimony in the midst of the storm. So I encourage you today, when we face circumstances that we don't understand, sometimes that we haven't caused, I encourage you that we can act with faith, we can trust God implicitly and we can be ambassadors wherever God places us. God bless you.